part of why we put this together is we've been doing this for a long time and it's brought mm-hmm. us a lot of life, a lot of joy. It's helped move us in a really good direction. But most people started the T. <laughs> they started mm-hmm. opening up their bank accounts and that's just so hard. So we put it off. We get overwhelmed by it. We're too yeah. busy to look at our numbers. Yeah. But when you add that S at the beginning, that's what entrepreneurs love to do. We love to dream and mm-hmm. cast visions and set goals and know where we're going. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Amanda, who is a strong female leader and loves working with men and women who want to take control of their financial futures. She has a winding trail of starting a business from scratch, going through the downs, and finally getting to some ups that include selling a business, starting a new, more profitable one, and becoming a mom in the process. She works with people of all ages and backgrounds to help them gain financial freedom and security and is knowledgeable about many subjects across the board. Some of these topics of conversation that we talked about was how to use profit first to create a business that's sellable. We also take a look at what to look for to know it's time to do a big pivot. And I thought this was super interesting. What our grandmas did with their money that more and more women are returning to doing. And I personally love this chat because I feel like as women and, well, a lot of people just shy away from talking about money and finances because there's so many different opinions out there. Um, But I thought it was a really open, honest conversation and super helpful. And I hope that you find it as helpful as I did. Welcome to the show, Amanda. I am so excited to have you on today. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you for having me, Jenny. And we are going to talk about money. I'm really excited for this because I feel like most people, and I think majority women, you know, kind of shy away from talking about money. It can be a really difficult topic to discuss. And I mean, including me, like up until now, I was always so shy to talk about money and finances, um, you know, with, with anyone else other than my husband or somebody that was super close, like my mom or my dad. Um, but I, I've sort of come a long way where I, I really do feel the more money you make and the more you talk about it, uh, it gives you more power to pursue your dreams. So today I really want to talk about money because that's what you're good at and you're going to share all of your wisdom with us, which I'm really excited to chat about. Why do you think it's difficult for us women to talk about money? 
Yeah, I think just overall as a society, we're taught you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about money. At work, we're told not to share our salary with our coworkers. Um, it's almost taboo to share that when actually that could be really empowering in terms of making sure there's equitable pay. Um, but, mm. you know, our employers kind of discourage that. Maybe our parents didn't talk about it with us before. It was kind of a, a topic that they didn't think we were mature enough for, or they had something they didn't feel comfortable sharing. And so we kind of picked that up from them. And then I think there's also this fear that someone else knows more about money than we do. And we're going to look stupid to them because money is kind of complicated. There's always more to learn. I feel like I'm even learning more every single day, but it can be really intimidating to then talk to somebody who has been into things in a different way or for longer than you have. And you might come up with a disagreement just like you would about religion or politics. And so it might not be that you don't know as much as they do. It might just be that you have a different perspective, um, but it feels like you don't know as much as they do. I totally agree with that because there's so many different opinions too around money and saving and that sort of thing. Right. So I feel like people like, just like religion, they just shy away from talking about it just, just to avoid that awkward conversation. Um, But as a business owner, I found that the more I surrounded myself with like-minded people doing very similar things to me and also showing me what's possible, because I feel like when you become a business owner, you you can kind of keep yourself in, in a box or, or not really realize what's possible for you until you start seeing other business owners around you show you, right? So it I mean, I think it's also important to surround yourself with the right people. I love how you always like you bring up how to bring in femininity into the conversation about money. Why do you think that is so crucial? Well, I think it goes to one of the words you used that I want to highlight. You said opinion. Mm -hmm. It's financial opinion. And I think acknowledging that a lot of this is opinion, what people put out there as the end all be all of financial thinking is really just opinion. And we need to recognize that. And when we're bringing up opinions, us women are going to probably have a different opinion from our femininity and the different values that we have and the expression of those values. And if we were in a corporate business setting, and we were doing some brainstorming, trying to create a strategic plan to grow, you know, 10x over the next year, you'd want to hear every opinion. Wouldn't you? You want to hear mm-hmm. every idea. You would know that you're going to have a better result if all of those are voiced. Why don't we have that around tables on when we're making financial plans and setting up financial strategies? And particularly that feminine voice has not been expressed. A lot of the financial opinions that are commonly accepted are more masculine, no risk, no reward. You got to speculate to accumulate that kind of hunter mentality, Mm -hmm. which sure as women, we can embrace that. We can be hunters too, but we also bring a little bit of that balance of, yeah, but I also want a foundation. I want some safety. I want to make sure, you know, X, Y, or Z is in place because I'm going to live longer than my male spouse, most likely, you know, having that voice, it can be super helpful to making sure the financial strategy works for you, not just for the men in the room. And you say something that 
I thought was amazing. I want to, I want to dig deep into this. You said what our grandmas did with their money. And now as women are returning to what is that? Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of different things that that is. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. So typically you think back to like 1930s, 1940s, you might think, okay, maybe the woman got control of the budget in the household, but the man totally did all the investing. But when you think about what grandma did with that budget, with, you know, um, baking things from scratch and making, you know, stretching a dollar to be worth $10, that was really useful. We've lost some of those skills. Mm -hmm. But then also, she always had this little bit squirreled away, a little bit of savings, a nest egg that for emergencies she could pull out. And that importance of saving was really important to the greatest generation or the silent generation from that time. In fact, the investment side that the man would stereotypically handle was a really small portion of the portfolios that would be built back then. They would actually build these foundational wealth type places where they would save money that they needed for their future. And they would only invest money they could afford to lose. So if Mm. you go back, I found recently, if you go back to the 1950s, only about 5% of Americans invested in the stock market. Today, it's over 50%. It's a very different way of viewing our money. And particularly as business owners, you know, grandma always had a little bit of a side hustle. She'd sew for the neighbors, she'd bake pies and, you know, sell like different things like that. My husband, his grandma, she really wanted a new like living room set. And her husband said, well, you have to figure out how to pay for it. So just, she just started sewing things for people and being a seamstress and bam, she got her living room set, right? Like that kind of mentality. They just mm-hmm. figured out how to make it work. And then also realizing that that was an investment of her time of buying the materials to do those kind of things and treating that like an investment. I feel like with us for our businesses, we're not treating it like an investment that way. We don't realize the kind of risks we're taking and making sure we're counterbalancing that with some safer foundational type savings and wealth that we're building outside of our businesses. I said a lot there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's really that's really helpful. And what would you recommend for saving. Like I know when my husband and I started our business, we basically looked at our business as an investment and we would just take the money and reinvest it and reinvest it and reinvest it. Um, And we still do that to this day. Of course, we have our savings as well. Um, But what would you recommend for somebody who's maybe just starting off, right? And how do you allocate your money? Like what percentage would you allocate for putting it a little bit away for savings and then taking some of the money and, and, and reinvesting it. What, what is your strategy there? Yeah. I'm really careful not to make blanket recommendations. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to look at their unique situation um, and work with a financial professional to take what I'm about to share and tailor it to your specific situation. But there's a really awesome uh, concept named Profit First. It's also a book by Mike McCallowitz. And he has a great strategy within that book where you take from your business just to start, just take 1%, set it aside as your profit. And then from that profit account, take a quarterly distribution of half of it. If you have debt, you have to pay off debt. If you don't have debt, you can just celebrate with that half. But getting into that habit of even doing 1% that way can really uh, help you 
stop reinvesting everything and build wealth outside of your business. Mm. Cause you can take that 1%. If you're running on a hundred thousand dollar business, you're not going to miss a thousand dollars. If you're running on a $10,000 business, you're not going to miss a hundred dollars, right? Not, not that not, you know, 1% is easy, but you can build on top of that and go to 2% and 3% and build your way up. And then what most people find if they implement profit first is they end up with all this cash just sitting in bank accounts. And that's when they start to think, well, how do I make the savings work for me? Because the banks aren't going to pay me interest. How do mm-hmm. I make sure that I'm at least not losing to inflation and um, making this money work for me and turn into more money? And that's when they're starting to think about wealth. And that might come a year, two, five years down the road. But that one day that's going to come and that's actually a beautiful thing. And it starts with that 1% adjustment. I love that. And that's really easy to implement right off the bat, right? Like 1% of whatever you're making. Yeah. That's awesome. And what do you look for to know it's time to do a pivot within your finances or your business? Yeah. I encourage people to do a little bit of a Marie Kondo of their money. Mm, I love that. (laughs) So for those who might not be familiar with Marie, she comes into people's homes. She has them pick up objects within their homes, see what emotion they experience as they're holding this object. And if it brings them joy, they keep it. If it doesn't, they donate, sell, trash, you know, something else. And then each thing that brings them joy, they find a place in their home for. What I love to do is invite folks to do that with their finances, especially if they're feeling stressed, or a little bit worried that they're not doing something that is right for them. To just open up that last bank statement or that credit card statement, open up their budgeting software, whatever that looks like for them. And you can't tangibly hold each expense or each piece of income or each investment account or that kind of thing in your hand, but you can hold it in your heart and in your mind and see how you feel when you are doing that. And, you know, something like the electric bill might not feel very good, especially this summer with the heat waves. So, you know, a lot higher, but you think about, you know, having a cool home that you can relax in and, you know, sleep well at night that hopefully brings us a lot of joy, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's in a different frame of mind, but I think that highlights then, well, it's actually this, it's causing me a lot of stress. How could I pivot that thing? And it might not happen overnight. It might be something that slowly um, you work on with little 1% adjustments, but eventually you get there. And I think that's, I think, one of the most powerful things we can do is pay attention, see what's bringing us joy, see what's causing us stress, and then look for how we can pivot that way. I love that. And we have a lot of listeners that tune in that are, you know, starting a business and it's typically in the fitness industry, but what is your advice around, um, some top things that women should be thinking of or should know about money when they start their business? There's a few things here. One is not related to money, but I feel like I have to share it as much as possible. (laughs) Um, And it's something that I found super critical for us. We're actually, this is our second business. Our first business was a brick and mortar coffee shop in Chicago. And we were told by a mentor, just never do anything alone. Mm -hmm. And he gave us examples. Like if you're going to, you know, have to go in a car ride to go pick up some supplies at the store, have somebody in the passenger seat. And that kind of mentality helped us like put together little, you know, pods of people that we could help, you know, 
uh, do marketing with. We would get our friends together to do a project that would take us hours, but together we could do it an hour and then have some pizza and beer afterward, right? We were in our 20s or doing all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anything that we saw, we wanted to do in community with someone else or with multiple people. And that's been helpful um, in so many different ways, but especially now when it comes to money, you could just sit at a computer, get out a calculator, watch videos online, figure out how to do financial stuff yourself. I read business planning books and wrote my business plan. I, you know, learned about how to do a cash flow statement and put together a cash flow statement. I was trying to do everything on my own. And it actually led me to a place that was okay. But then when I met a financial professional, his name's Mark, I learned just how on the edge I really was and how much Mm -hmm. risk I was taking. And he helped me see what I couldn't see for myself. I didn't know what I didn't know. And starting to put together a financial team to never do anything alone, including my money, not even just my husband and I together, but to bring in Mark as a financial professional to have a deeper conversation with my accountant, for example, things like that have really brought different insights and different strategies. Sometimes I ignore what they say. I don't agree. I don't think it's the right timing. But other times it's just, I know it's pushed me to a new level that I could have never gotten to myself. I'm sure, you know, it's personal trainers. You guys know this, right? Physically. It's true with your money too. It takes a team. And even with parenting, to be honest, (laughs) like relating it to parenting, like it, it takes a team, you know, like sometimes we have uh, somebody that comes in to help. And then we have our grandparents, like, because we are, we are busy too. And so it does take a team in it. And to view finances like that, I I love that because uh, when my husband and I started, it was just us. And when you are good at one thing, like we were really good at the marketing. We're really, I was a really good coach but we missed the whole finance side. Like, oh yeah, we got to think about this. We got to think about taxes. And then we found a good, um, you know, we we found a good finance person. We we found a good tax expert. Like we we brought the team together, but we wish we knew this before because, you know, like even just the ins and outs of taxes, right? Like you don't, you don't realize it until you are in that position where you're like, oh my gosh, okay. I should have thought about this. Right. So it's, it's really building a team around everything. So I love, I love that advice. Hey, I'm going to interrupt the show because I have to share one of my most favorite pieces of home equipment slash travel equipment. And if you love to work out as much as I do, then you're going to want to check out Max Pro Fitness. This is so awesome. If you're following me on IG, coach underscore JVB, you will see some of the videos I posted with the MaxFit Pro. It's a full cable system that folds up into a backpack and you can legit bring it anywhere or pull it out. Like it's so easily stored. And for all my fellow strong women out there, there are 50 resistance settings from five pounds all the way up to 300 pounds at the turn of a dial. And the entire system only weighs 10 pounds. I love it so much that I have partnered with them to offer you guys $100 off your purchase. So I'm going to include the link in the show notes. Be sure to check it out and you're going to save $100 off the full cable system that folds up into a backpack. Oh my God, guys, you are going to love it. I hope you take me up on this opportunity because you are not going to be disappointed. 
you mentioned something too, just in our back and forth before this. How do you become like a bank friendly real estate investor? Ooh, so um, this is often where business owners go. They build a business, they've got some mm-hmm. nice cash flow, and they're like, I can't keep working for my money. I want to build passive income, and mm-hmm. real estate's kind of a natural thing. But often, if you're going to go buy real estate and you're trying to qualify for a mortgage, they're going to want to see that you're you're paying yourself and that mm-hmm. you've got a stable income. And then, but as we talk to our tax professionals, they tell us, well, to save taxes, you want to show as little income as yes. possible. And it's we this had juggling. This issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had this hard. Issue. Yeah. yeah, that's hard because you want to keep your taxes so low, but then it looks like you're getting paid basically nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to show. So yeah, I would love your advice around this. Yeah. So one, you have to think about prepare a couple years in advance before you jump into real estate if you are going to try to qualify for. Uh, lending. There's also a lot of other options out there like lease financing or private money lending. You want to be kind of careful with those, but you could look at where they're going to look at different options or different parts of your financial life than, you know, your just your tax returns and what income you're showing. So you want to kind of look at those options to learn from some really powerful mentors out there. But the thing that I found to be the best no matter the option, whether I'm going for traditional bank financing or I'm looking at something that's not traditional bank financing, mm-hmm. is that 1% adjustment that I started, gosh, seven, eight years ago now, has built up a nice pool of money that I actually have in something called Bank on Yourself. If you want to get into what that is, we can do that. Yeah. But now yeah. I can use Bank on Yourself with my cash that's there. And I can leverage against that to put down a down payment that it can be whatever the bank wants to see. So I recently went through this. Mm -hmm. Um, I was buying some commercial property and I just, I found a lender, a couple of them, you know, figured out which one I wanted to work with, looked at their options in terms of you put this much down, here's your interest rate, here's the terms of the repayment. And then if you put more down, here's how it changed. And I use that as a negotiating tactic. I'm actually putting 50% down because it made the most sense to me. I could play the bank toward my favor rather than bending over and becoming a slave to them and what they set the terms as, right? They could say, here's options for terms. And because I had the cash available, mm-hmm. I could choose which one of those options I wanted. And now the process has been super smooth too because they know I've got the funds. I've shown that I can be responsible financially. They actually love to see um, bank on yourself type uh, situations happening. Uh, It's very favorable to lenders, um, at least all of them that I've met so far. And so, uh, because it shows the financial responsibility and that you have a system, you're thinking deeply about money, those kind of things. That's awesome. That's great. That's great tips. And, um, yeah, because there there are other ways as business owners. We we often think that it's just based on our um, income, but there is other ways around it. Basically, that's what you're saying. If you did yeah. want to buy, yes, yeah. So you talk to your accountant and talk to your financial advisor on how to create. Because if if you have a business account, they can look into that as well, right? Mm-hmm. They can look at how much money the business is actually making. Yeah, but then also that foundational wealth. Yes, that can act as what you're using for your down payment, but also mm-hmm. keeping contingency funds there for emergencies or mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things 
um, is really helpful as well. Now, any tips that you would um, give somebody who is just starting um, and maybe doesn't have money yet? Like what, how can they, how, how can they make, if they want to start their own thing, how can they make their money go far? Or do you have to initially invest? Great. Um, so I'll take you back to 24 year old Amanda, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back plan, there. Right. And <laughs> I still had all the debt from college. My husband mm-hmm. had college debt. We had no assets to our name. I even had like a grandma, um, or not really grandma. Like it was a, a Buick old car, right? Like no assets, literally it's probably worth $500. And when we wrote our business plan and saw like, it is going to cost a lot of money to start a brick and mortar coffee shop with Mm -hmm. all the equipment and everything. We could have lost hope, but we were idealistic, um, you know, 20 something. So we just went for it. And we started sharing our vision, our dream with anybody who would listen to us. And, um, we would start to ask how, at the end of sharing that vision, how do you want to partner? And some people would, you know, just say, oh, I'll pray for you. (laughs) You know, like, okay, great. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) Other people would say, well, buy a bag of coffee. Um, And so we bootstrapped. I'd literally take an empty suitcase on the L in Chicago to a roaster, pick up bags of coffee, deliver them to people's homes, bootstrapping, getting the money together, you know, doing whatever it took. And then other people would be like, well, here's just a gift, 25 bucks, 50 bucks. We, you know, um, love to support what you're doing. I got this little extra and that all of that started adding up, proving we could make something work. And then actually when we met partners who we could partner with to take this huge expense and make it a lot less, actually cut the startup cost in half, they trusted us a lot more because we already had this little track record. We already showed, look how much money we've earned so far. Look how much we're putting into this. And that was super critical for us. And we wouldn't have met them if we weren't sharing the vision with anybody and everybody who would listen. Actually, the way that I met them was a a quote unquote competitor who was going to open a coffee shop in the same neighborhood. I was like, well, I'll just coordinate with them, see what they're thinking, make sure we're on different sides because they were a friend of a friend. I didn't want to like, you know, just discount them or try to compete with them. And they actually introduced me to someone who became the partner because they just wanted to see a coffee shop open. They didn't necessarily want to start that themselves. So they're like, oh, if you're going to do it, then I don't have to. Fast forward eight years after we opened and we actually sold them the business we started. That's amazing. And I love I love the fact that it's it literally just starts with you talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like talking about it. I tell this to a lot of um, the girls that I coach who want to be coaches or want to launch their own coaching program. It's like, just start telling people about what you are doing because if nobody knows then you're losing so many so much opportunity there because you don't know what that person maybe wants or possibly invest in or maybe they want to work with you but you just have to be open and tell people what you're doing yeah and take advantage of 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 you know um just even a random person that you're talking to, let them know what you're doing because you're, you're going to be able to, it's, it's about relationship building in the end. Right. Yeah, And that's, you don't have to have money to start that. You can literally just start talking about what you're doing. Yeah. And the most powerful thing you can do after you shared is ask a question like, how would you like to be involved? Who do you know that 
would love to hear about what I'm doing. What, like something along those lines, depending on the person, make sure you've got that question as an invitation. You're throwing a party with this business. It's going to be lots of fun. People don't want to be left out on that fun. Invite them in. I love that. I love that. And you have something called the still method. Is that, is that similar to what you just spoke about or, or is that something different? So it's kind of what we were talking about before Yeah, where we're, you know, con Marie, our, um, our finances, we're, uh, you're tidying things up and it's, it's, uh, it's actually an acronym. The S starts with set your sights, know your goal, where you're going. The T is for track your in and out. We're actually getting that list of income and expenses. You're seeing how you feel about what's flowing through your hands. Mm-hmm. And I as inspect your progress has the flow, the tracking your in and out. Has that gotten you closer or further from where you've set your sights? Um, which actually I should have said, your set your sights don't have to be goals. They could be visions. They could, you know, they could have numbers to them. They could also just be something nebulous that you're building up to. Um, and then the most important part is the first L look for your 1% adjustment. We talked about that a little bit. You could just shift 1% to profit from what you're reinvesting in your business, but it could also be creating an email template to save you some time. There's lots of different kinds of 1% adjustments. And then the final L is live deliberately, put it into action, see what results and come back and start back from set your sights again. And part of why we put this together is we've been doing this for a long time and it's brought Mm -hmm. us a lot of life, a lot of joy. It's helped move us in a really good direction, but most people started the T (laughs) they started Mm -hmm. opening up their bank accounts and that's just so hard. So we put it off. We get overwhelmed by it. We're too busy to look at our numbers. Yeah. But when you add that S at the beginning, that's what entrepreneurs love to do. We love to dream and Mm -hmm. cast visions and set goals and know where we're going. But then the, Till the T-I-L-L actually helps it move us closer to getting there based on real numbers, based on an adjustment that we can really make or we can have a team member of ours make. And so it gives us this framework or this method, this practice that we can revisit over and over again. And we actually have a playbook that gives the questions to ask for each one of those letters um, to help move you toward where you're going. I love that. And one of the best pieces of business advice I got, I think it was like her second year in business is know your numbers. We weren't, we didn't know our numbers. And I think kind of, I think every entrepreneur kind of goes through this, especially Mm -hmm. if they don't have that side of the, the business. And once we got to know our numbers, it just helped us direct the business in, in ways that we wouldn't have ever done if we didn't know our numbers. Right. So I love this method. Amanda, where can we all find you? Where can people connect with you? I don't know if you offer coaching. You offer coaching in this in this area? Yeah, we actually... Yeah. So the first thing would be to go to stillmethod.com okay. and download that playbook, get, start practicing it if you want. Um, and at the, on that page too, we invite you to reach out to us. We actually do these little discovery calls, 15 minutes, see how we can bo- give you a little boost along your journey uh, quickly. And then also talk about how we would work together and what that would look like. Um, if you're not quite ready to, you know, give an email and or um, that, you know, sign up for a call. We have a great podcast. It's called the Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to the show. We're also on YouTube. Amazing. Thank you. And I ask everybody this at the end of the podcast. What does the word strong mean to you? Oh, so many things. <laughs> the The biggest thing is I think of my mom 
So when I was born, we were on public assistance. She went back to college in her 30s to be able to provide for our family. And I think the strength of that, you know, to be an older college student, to stand up when you'd only known women who stayed at home before then, also some of her story, she was adopted, you know, she went through some trauma, things like that. For her to like stand up and take control and say, I'm going to do this has just given me so much strength to know I can do anything I want to as well. I love that, Amanda. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I learned a lot. I know our listeners have learned a lot and I would love to even have you back on in the future. Um, And I can't wait to be on your podcast too. We'll discuss that right after. But thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our Strong Fitness Magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my Strong Girl 3 discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay. Take care and stay strong.